is taken from Mark chapter 6, 14 to 46. John the Baptist beheaded. King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said he is Elijah. And still others claimed he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John the man I beheaded has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you, anything you want and I will give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried into the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on the plat- on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Jesus feeds the 5,000. The apostles gathered round Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have, an, even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. 
When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken piece of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. So, the feeding of the 5,000. And I thought we might get a bit hungry this morning because we're talking about eating. And I know Sally's fed you strawberries and bananas, but I don't think they were very filling, were they? So I bought you some chocolates. I hope you don't mind. If you've got any allergies like those people, please read the tub. You have to listen as well as eat. (laughs) So, the feeding of the 5,000, a miracle of God's kingdom. And I asked for that section to be read about the death of John the Baptist because Jesus performed this miracle in his own sorrow. Jesus would have mourned John the Baptist. He was his cousin, John the Baptist had prepared the way for him and he baptized him. And it must have been a reminder to Jesus of his own impending death that was to come and his own path of sacrifice that he was to follow. So he just wanted some time alone, some time out with his disciples to reflect and to pray and to commune with his father. It's great that Jesus needed space as well, isn't it? We need space sometimes, and even Jesus did. Because he was God's son. We know he was God's son. He was divine, but he was also fully human. He was a real person who felt things as we do. And he needed a bit of a man cave. He wanted to go to a deserted place just with his closest friends My husband, Ben, often needs a man cave. On a Sunday afternoon, he values that quiet time to be alone. And even God, even God rested on the seventh day. On the Sabbath, he rested. He created the world, and then he took time out to reflect. In Isaiah 58, verse 13 to 14, it says... If you refrain from tramping the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it not going your own ways, serving your own interests, or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord 
And I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of your ancestor Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So we need rest. And we need to devote our rest time to spending it with God. To pray, to worship, to come here, to gather here and worship. And that enables us to face Monday, doesn't it? And start our work again for him. But in this story, Jesus didn't get much of a rest. He was trying to get a rest and his plan failed because he got interrupted. He went off in that boat for a quiet time and he was met by a huge crowd. Can you imagine how you would feel if everybody was there demanding your attention when you just wanted some peace. And Jesus' response to that was amazing because he didn't get frustrated. Instead, he was filled with compassion. Because to him, the people were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began to teach them. We went up Snowdon at half-term And it was a busy day. It was a sunny day. As you can see, it was warm. That's at the top of Snowdon, and we're in T-shirts. And I can only describe it as Britain's most commercial mountaintop experience because there's a cafe up there. And there's five, about five routes, walking routes up to the top of Snowdon, and there's a train going up. So even if you can't walk, you can get up there, which is lovely for people who can't. So everybody meets at the top. And there was a queue for the summit. That's us in the queue waiting to get our photo taken at the top. You all had to stand in line then take a photograph of the next party. And it was really busy up there. And we normally like a bit of quiet on our walk. I don't even know why we went up there, to be honest with you. (laughs) But Tom Wright writes in his book on Matthew... This book called Matthew for Everyone, he writes these words. Come and be a character in the story. There's plenty of room and there's lots to learn. To begin with, cast your mind back to the last time you were really, really sad. After after the death of a parent or a close friend. After you didn't get that job you set your heart on. After you've moved out of the house you had loved. What you needed and wanted most was to hide away and be quiet. To reflect and perhaps to pray. But above all, be still and not have people bother you. Then supposing that quiet place you chose was invaded by hundreds of others. The little church you thought you would slip inside was full of a wedding party. The lonely hillside where surely you thought you could be private was covered in cheerful hikers, how would you react? Now, as you know, we like going out walking in our family, and last year we went up Wernside, but we didn't actually mean to go up Wernside. We planned a walk, we were going to catch a train, and then walk back. And the trains turned out to be on strike that day, so our walk plan had to go out the window. Our plan had failed and we decided to go at Wernside, and it was really busy. People march up there 
on a challenge to do the three peaks in one day. And it seemed that everybody was processing up there. It was like the Trafford Centre. And we just wanted a quiet walk that day. We wanted some peace. And our quietness had been interrupted. And can we respond like Jesus when our mountaintop experiences, when our quietness gets interrupted, when that telephone call interrupts you and you have to give time to somebody when you were busy doing something else, like I have to sometimes, can we take time out? Can we make more time for others? Tom Wright goes on to say that Jesus' reaction was remarkable. It wasn't anger or frustration, but compassion. It was a reaction of love. He put, him, he put himself aside. He put his own needs to one side, and he made space for them. It's wonderful that God's a loving father to us, and he has space for us. We are his children, and he puts his needs aside for us because he loves us. As parents, we all do that, don't we? We put that time aside for our children Sometimes Ben gets his Sunday afternoon rest interrupted by children wanting to be taken somewhere or wanting help with their homework. And he does that because he loves them. But the next thing I wanted to say about this miracle is that Jesus fed the whole person. He cared about their spiritual provision because he taught them, but he also made physical provision by the miracle of feeding everybody when they were hungry. We know that the disciples wanted to send the people away to get something to eat. But Jesus knew the, sh- the shops were shut. He knew it was going to be difficult for them to get food that, at that time of night. They were in a deserted place. They didn't have the late shop like we do. They didn't have 24-hour supermarkets. So... He provided for them. We went on a coastal walk while we were in Wales as well. And it was much quieter that day. So it was, it was nice. The views weren't as good, but it was nice and quiet. But we didn't quite take enough food with us. We'd just thrown some stuff in. And we started to get hungry towards the end of the day. And Zach was trailing behind us by about a few meters behind us. And you wouldn't believe Zach could run out of energy, but he did. And Ben got out of his rucksack these energy sweets. So we all had one. And it was amazing how restored we were by them, by these tiny sweets. And we all got a spring in our step. You might think we were fools giving them to Zach, but he he got his energy back. When the 5,000 were fed, they didn't have the emergency tablets and they needed a miracle. And Jesus knew that and he cared about the details. He cared about the fact that they were hungry and he wanted to refresh them. He wanted to give them a time of refreshing and he wants to re-energize and refresh us as well. The church here might be in a period of change and God wants to re-energize you. He wants to give you a new direction 
and he will provide what you need to do that. In Joshua chapter 1, God's people entered the promised land. They've been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. And God promised them a place of rest. In verse 13, it says, The Lord God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. They were like refugees waiting for God's promise to be fulfilled. And that provision was fulfilled. It was made as they entered the promised land. So we have a God who knows our needs, who provides. But he also requires us to do our bit and to participate. And at the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus didn't just do all the work on his own. The disciples took part. They were part of the miracle. They found the food. They got the people to sit down in groups. They distributed the food. And they gathered in the leftovers. So they were pretty busy that day. I bet they were really exhausted after all that work. And I bet they wanted to rest after that. I think it was lovely when I came across a few weeks ago and the fun day was on. And you were giving out free food, as you do every year, free burgers and ice cream. And you fed the multitude of lum. I'm sure lots of people think, oh, we'll go over there because we'll get a free burger. And I remember this story about some years ago how um, a family had come to the fun day with what they thought was enough money to buy one burger And they were overwhelmed that they were all given a burger each for free. It's so important when we do things like that because we don't know what needs we will meet. Um, A few weeks ago, I was very brave. I went down to the Boiler House, the White Horse Project down the road on a Friday evening. And it was lovely. Um, Young people can come in and it's just a place for them to hang out and do activities. The PACE team had taken our children off on the BYL weekend, so Ben and I thought we'd better fill in for them. And Rod Bevan said to me that they'd probably only get about 30 children in that night, which seemed quite a lot to me. But he was going to get food in for 70 because... Some of them stock up on food while they're there. So there was a provision there. Because some of those children might not always have enough to eat. They might not always have the best backgrounds. So it was a real compassion ministry. And it's an important role in the church to give hospitality to people. It might feed someone who's hungry, but it also meets a need for fellowship. The people in the miracle, they sat down in groups. They got opportunity to perhaps reflect on what Jesus had taught them and to get to know each other. And they got a rest as well, didn't they? They'd probably been standing, straining to see Jesus all day. If they were short like me, they would have had a bit of a struggle. We went to a 
Rend Collective concert a few weeks ago and three tall people stood in front of a short people. And we were all a bit like this throughout the event. We really enjoyed it, but we had to pick Zach up a few times so we could see. So it meets a need of fellowship, and it's an important role in the church. If you're making tea and coffee or if you're someone who provides refreshments, you're doing an important job for others. And in the early church, we know that they appointed deacons to take on that role. We know that the Hellenist widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And there was grumbling. This all happens in Acts chapter 8, where the apostles realized that they need to appoint people to do that work because they were neglecting their job of teaching the word. And they don't just appoint anybody to do that role. They pick men of good standing and people who were reliable, who were filled with the Holy Spirit. So we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit if we're going to serve God's purposes and God's kingdom. Had a bit of an experience of the Holy Spirit a few weeks ago. It was Pentecost Sunday, and at St. Anne's we've been doing the Alpha course on a Sunday morning um, once a month. And it's been an opportunity to invite people, and it's a really good course, even if you've been a Christian for a long time. It's refreshing. And the new videos are great. I would recommend using them. But we did the video. We watched the video. We had a discussion group. And then there was opportunity to be anointed with oil. And I went up to be anointed. I didn't know what would happen, but I knew I was ready to experience the Holy Spirit, to receive him. And... I nearly fell over, but didn't. And then I went and sat down, and my hands started to shake like this. And the shaking was something, it went on for a few hours, in fact. I couldn't drive home. Ben was away that Sunday, so somebody had to take me home. And it stopped at times and then came back. And I'd never had an experience, a powerful experience of the Holy Spirit like that before. And I had a deep sense of peace as that happened. And it was something that's changed my behavior, I hope. Um, I think my relationships at work with people I perhaps wasn't that friendly to have got better because I've had more time for them. I've been a bit more open, a bit more friendly bit more able to tell people that I go to church. And we will all have different experiences of God's spirit working in our lives because we're all individuals and he needs to deal with each of us differently. But the important thing is that we all need his spirit to empower us, to have compassion, to serve others and to help us to participate in God's work because we can't do things in our own strength. 
We went on the big church day out a few weeks ago. You probably think we've been really busy walking and going to Rend Collective and going on the big church day out. Well, yeah, I suppose we have. Um, and it's a great Christian music festival. You can stay there and you can camp for a few nights or you can just go for the day. Um, if you like loud Christian worship music, it's great. If you don't, don't go. But um, Matt Redman was playing at this time and we were kind of on the hillside behind this crowd to give our children a bit of space to dance. And it was a bit like the feeding of the 5,000. There were thousands of people. There were lots of food stands, although you had to pay for the food. There wasn't a miracle. And we stood on that grassy bank. It was a time of refreshing, a time for Christians to come together and worship. But the people at the front told a story about how the man who was in charge of the sound for the whole event had done something out of the ordinary at breakfast that morning. They were staying in the Premier Inn and they must have been a bit short-staffed or not ready for all the crowd they were going to have in because they were struggling to serve the breakfast. So this man got up and he just became a waiter. He just volunteered and helped out. Now, if most of us had that happen in a restaurant, we'd sit there grumbling about the poor service, wouldn't we? But he did something out of the ordinary. And we need to act out of the ordinary to build God's kingdom. We need to do things that people don't expect. Because in his kingdom, all will be fed. And there will be more than enough for everybody. And we need to feed people and show them that they can be fed, they can be filled in God's kingdom. I think we know that God's kingdom isn't fully present in this world when so much of the world's wealth belongs to so few and so many people go hungry. And we need to pray for his kingdom to come. Because it was an extravagant miracle. There were 12 baskets of leftovers. There was more than enough. God provides more than we need. Everybody will have enough to eat. Everybody will be filled in his kingdom. In Exodus chapter 3 verse 17, God says, I declare that I will bring you out of the misery of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites. You can tell me if I've said those wrong. I'm sure Robert will tell me at the end. And the Jebusites into a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a land of provision, a land of plenty, flowing with milk and honey. There would be more than they needed. They would be filled and they would have a time of peace and stability. Some of you ladies came to Renew the other night a few weeks ago and we were given a little bar of milk and honey soap. 
And perhaps as you wash your hands with that, you can remember God's provision. And it was a pretty spectacular miracle, wasn't it? Because there were only five loaves and two fish or five bananas and two strawberries, as Sally put it. But everybody was filled. And it's a bit reminiscent of the manna in the wilderness which rained down from heaven on God's people. And another link to the Old Testament is that there were five books in the Torah. So the five loaves represented those books. In my NLT study Bible, it talks about how the Mosaic law was transformed into something bigger, something greater, and more nourishing. Just as Jesus, just, sorry, just as God fulfilled through Joshua the promise of land to Abraham and Moses, he later fulfilled through Jesus the promise of an unfailing dynasty to David. God's fulfillment of his promises will continue into eternity. Isn't that wonderful? That it will continue forever. God promises to provide and he has a plan for his kingdom. And in his kingdom, he will give us more than we can ever expect or imagine. And we need to be ready for God to do the unexpected. We need to find what we have, like the disciples found the food, what gifts we have, what we can offer to God. And we need to give them to God to work with. We need to participate. We need to serve him to bring about his kingdom. This miracle is also reminiscent of the Last Supper, where Jesus broke bread and gave it to his disciples, pointing to his body that he was going to sacrifice on the cross and his blood that would be shed. It points to the Messianic feast. Bishop Michael Curry, in his sermon at the royal wedding, I'm sure many of you heard that wonderful sermon. It was a real surprise, wasn't it? I think um, it signaled that God's bringing about his kingdom in this nation when we hear something like that. And he said these words, Jesus began the revolutionary movement in history based on unconditional love of God. He was filled with sacrificial, unconditional love for those people and he's filled with that for you and for me. He laid down his life for us to reconcile us, to bring us back to God because he was the one sinless sacrifice. He did that so that we could enter his kingdom, so that we could have life eternal life with him. So, in conclusion, we have a miracle of great compassion. Compassion on that hunger that those people had. And Jesus was there, meeting the needs of other people above his own. 
he put his own need for quiet to one side and he fed them spiritually and physically in a miracle that pointed to the cross, that pointed to the ultimate sacrifice he had to make to bring about his kingdom as he willingly laid down his life so that we could receive forgiveness and enter into his kingdom so that we can be fed and be filled with his extravagant, unconditional love. And are we ready to participate in that miracle? I think that's the challenge, isn't it? To build his kingdom, to work, to serve in whatever way he calls us, to give what we have and to see what God will do with it. Amen.